Welcome to the Mirror Mental Podcast. My name is Jeremiah. I'm a 20-year-old entrepreneur and activist, and I'm joined here by the amazing Remy Blumenfeld. Remy is a Forbes columnist, business coach, an all-round amazing person, and he is my Mirror Mentor. Today we'll be discussing why jerks come out on top and three ways to become one. Happy teams are so important, and it's often agreeable more extroverted people get hired by other people just like them. There's certainly a whole lot more fun to be around and they don't object as much as their disagreeable and often more introverted counterparts. Yet, can it be good to have jerks and divas on the same creative team? Yeah, you know, I really think it can. It's a challenge because, of course, we like yes men, don't we? We like people who approve of us and agree with us and make us feel that our choices are right. We like people who say yes and, and we tend to stay away from people who say no but. However, without no but, there's no friction, there's no dynamism, there's no rub. And all progress in life has been made by people who are in disagreement, Yeah, disagreement with reality. So if you think the world is flat, you'll probably have lots of friends back in medieval times, right? <laughs> but if you said, oh, I think it could be round, you're a disagreeable person and you wouldn't be welcome in most little villages back then. So it's good to have disagreement because it causes friction and challenge. It causes us to question ourselves. Yeah. Um, and often people who we label as jerks or divas are people who are very sure of themselves, who are people who convinced that their way is the right way. And sometimes they are. And if you didn't have any of them on a team, it might be more harmonious, but you probably wouldn't have as much creative spark. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do the most disagreeable people really have the best ideas in your experience? No, it's not, it's not necessarily the case that they have the best ideas, but they often get their ideas heard because they're so determined that their ideas are worth being heard and are right. So they're often more vocal, they're often more driven, they're often more ambitious. It's a fact that uh, disagreeable people get paid more. Yeah. Um, and very often they are more successful, particularly in the creative sectors. Because, you know, I don't like to buy into this myth that you have to have a big ego to be successful in the arts, but it certainly helps to have a lot of self-belief. Yeah. And often people who are more collaborative, more team-minded, more generous, often don't have the same level of crushing self-belief that disagreeable people have. And it's what makes them disagreeable, but it was also what gets their ideas to the top. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you've ever done any kind of psychometric test, you're probably familiar with the big five personality traits, which is a degree determined on who you are, the choices you make, and how well you do in life. Open, people enjoy new experiences and have a wide variety of interests. They're often insightful and imaginative. Consensuous, people are reliable and prompt. They tend to be very organized and thorough. Extroversion can be measured by their levels of energy, talkativeness and assertiveness. Neuroticism, people who score high on 
Neuroticism often experience a lot of emotional instability and negative emotions. Traits include being moody and really, really tense. Agreeableness. These individuals are friendly, cooperative and compassionate. Traits include being kind, affectionate and sympathetic. Yeah, so, you know, you're reading those traits and I'm already thinking, well, agreeable ones sound good. I'd like to have more of them around. I'm not so sure about the others. And yet they're all basic traits. And I think probably you and I found each other because we're both agreeable people. Yeah. And if you were more of a neurotic person or you were more of an of an introvert or you were more conscientious um conscientious is a good one but um i might have liked you less and for the most part in society we all agree to like agreeable people yeah and we all agree to dislike disagreeable people because they're awkward and sharp elbowed um but as we were saying uh you know, they can be really useful. And it's interesting that when they're fighting for us, we welcome disagreeable people. In other words, you would say, I've got a real jerk of an agent or I've got a real shit lawyer. You know, you want your lawyers to be an arsehole, you know, you really do. And you want your agents to be an arsehole, but you just don't want arseholes necessarily on a team. And yet yeah. they can be they can be really they can be really useful. You know, in creative sectors, um, I love the quote that a career in a creative sector sounds like this. No, 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 no. Yes, no, 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 no. And that's your career. So you need to be quite tough-skinned to deal with all those no's. And you need to be quite persistent and relentless to get to the yes through all those no's. And often real jerks have those qualities that allow them to push through all the no's. So could could you give me a few examples of some really difficult people who have done exceptionally well? Well, it feels a little bit cowardly to to say this, but like because he's dead. But Steve Jobs, I think we can all agree from the films, the biographies, was probably someone who a lot of people thought was a jerk, right? And yet he drove through enormous change in tech. And he made a lot of things possible that we're all enjoying, you know, right now as we speak from our MacBooks to our Apple. So I think Steve Jobs is a good example. Um, I mean, in my business, uh, you know, people who've created the most intellectual property uh, are often not people who you necessarily would think would be the easiest people to to be around. So I think, um, yeah, it's not good not necessarily useful for me to mention names of living people, but um, Steve Jobs is probably a good example. And then if you just look at anybody else who's created an, an empire, a dynasty, um, I mean, you've you've been close to the lives of Richard Branson and Bill Gates, and they're two people who seem to not be jerks. But I think mostly uh, people who created empires and dynasties, at least during the time when they're building it, like Steve Jobs was, are could could risk appearing like a jerk to other people. So, for the record, why have you been cited as one of reality TV's greatest villains? Oh, well, first of all, I don't really mind the label because, um, well, I do think of myself as an agreeable person. In other words. I like to achieve consensus and I like to have people get on with me and I try not, I wouldn't really want people to think I was a jerk. The reason 
I've been cited as a TV villain is because I created a show that was called Something About Miriam. And in that show, I put uh, six guys into a house with the girl of their dreams who they had to court over the period of the show. And at the end of the show, she revealed that she was a pre-op transsexual and they hadn't known that. And so because of that, I've been called one of reality TV's greatest villains, but more for the show I made, I think, than the person I am, I hope. Yeah. So Remy, how has being kind, affectionate and reasonable worked for you? (laughs) Good question. I think probably it would have been much better if I had been one of TV's great reality villains because (laughs) actually um, being kind, generous and nice hasn't always worked out so well. Very often I've tried to rescue people who I felt were broken and damaged because they might have occurred as a jerk to you and they might have had a reputation for being a bully, but I welcomed them as someone who I could help fix. And I have to say this is probably before I trained as a coach because as a coach, I come to realize that uh, all my clients are resourceful and creative and whole. And my job as a coach is not to fix anybody. I'm not here to rescue. I'm here to coach, right? But in my previous life, I didn't really understand that distinction. And I thought that um, I was a bit of a rescuer. I didn't necessarily know it. But if someone seemed damaged and often difficult, abrasive, people who other people label as jerks and assholes um, occurred to me as broken because they are, you know, they are broken. They are, they're trying to escape some pain. And so I would sometimes think, oh, I can work with them. I can help them. I can make things okay. And it didn't work out so well, I have to say, because um, unless people specifically want to be helped, which they do in a coaching environment, um, it's very hard to rescue people who don't want to be rescued. And they end up pulling you in with them. And that's the thing about some jerks. Um, if Unless you recognize that their jerkiness is their stuff and they need to deal with it, uh, if you do that, you're okay. But if you try and rescue them, you get pulled into their stuff mm. with them. Yeah. Um, one of the things about people we think of as whole creative, resourceful people is that they tend to take responsibility for themselves. If it works, if it doesn't work, it's on me. And what people who we often call jerks do is they blame the other person. It's your fault. It's my boss. It's my partner all the time. And then, you know, so no surprise, I ended up getting blamed by jerks because I was trying to rescue them and they didn't want rescuing. Yeah. They wanted to turn me into a jerk. Yeah. So just as every born introvert needs to learn how to channel the qualities of an extrovert, if they ever want to be heard by a group, is there anything that you found that really pays to master whatever might be stopping you from being a complete arsehole? Yeah, well, I'd say, first of all, just own your own inner arsehole. Just Accept that it's okay. You know, we've had conversations, you and I, about anger and how, you know, you and I find it hard to be angry because we were raised to believe anger was a bad thing. And we were also raised to believe being an arsehole was a really bad thing. But there are some situations where you just you just need to be an arsehole back. And quite often, if you're dealing with someone who's a jerk, um, they respond best to you being a jerk. 
if someone's being a jerk with you and you're very calm and nice and reasonable, trying to please them, you'll never have resolution because they'll feel they haven't got what they want. What they want is you to just be an asshole back. Mm. And sometimes that's the way to end things and move on. Um, the other thing that's really important is to pick a cause that's really worth fighting for. Because there's no point being an asshole over something that doesn't really matter to you. I remember some years back, I had kidney failure and I needed a kidney transplant. And the doctors in the UK said I couldn't have the transplant. Yeah. And um, they said all the medical evidence showed I wasn't a suitable candidate. And I had to really fight to get that transplant. But it was worth fighting for because it was my life. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I didn't mind the fact that all these British doctors thought that I was a complete arsehole because I was fighting for something that was important to me. Yeah. And like for you, you if you got angry and were an arsehole about knife crime or if you were angry and were an arsehole about the victims of the Grenfell fire, that would be okay. Yeah. But if you were an arsehole totally okay. about something silly or minor, then it probably wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. Um, and if there's something you believe is worth saying, just say it um, and and just call it. And particularly in relation to other people's behavior, sometimes you just need to be disagreeable and disliked and and speak out. But what I wanted to say in relation to your statement is how did it feel, you know, being a jerk? How did it feel at that moment when you had to own it and, and become it? Oh, complex and difficult. Any new experiences complex and difficult so to begin immediately after i was a jerk for the first time or the second time or the third time um it felt great powerful yes i've said something back and then i felt really bad because i felt this goes against who i am i hate being a jerk i've just sunk to their level they've got me and then with a little distance a little time I recognized it was the appropriate response in that situation. And actually, I shouldn't judge myself so badly for it. I think it works best when you make a choice to be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so when you go, in this situation, I am just going to be a jerk back. That works much better than when you just find yourself being a jerk in response to other people's jerkiness, because then it doesn't feel like a choice. And, and then sometimes the feelings afterwards are not so clean. But I think it's better... To, to make a deliberate, intentional choice to behave like an asshole and then do it. Um, but yeah, I felt a bit conflicted the first time, I have to say. And uh, powerful, but not in a way I was used to feeling. Yeah. So Remy, do you have any tips, I would say, um, in how to screen out difficult people, screen out the jerks? Yeah, uh, a really good one because I think just like we were saying just now, you know, if it's an, if it's a choice to be a jerk, that's one thing. If you just find yourself being a jerk, it's another. And similarly, if you choose to work with someone who you know is difficult and you accept the price you're going to pay, then that's one thing. But to hope that you're working with someone who's reasonable or a bit more reasonable, um, and then find that you have a jerk on your creative team. That's a whole nother story. So if you are looking to screen out jerks, there are a few things I can suggest. The first thing is reputations are 99% of the time deserved. Yeah. So um, 
go to their LinkedIn profile, see who's recommended them. If no one's recommended them, that's not a great sign. Um, go through their CV and make some random calls to people who they worked with before. Yeah. And make sure that they know it's off the record. Um, and really seek out and listen for any clues that that person behaved in a way that was bullying or offensive or hard for the other people around. Um, would you hire them again? Would you hire, you know, ask open questions like that. And you can these days follow people's Twitter accounts and you can follow their social media and just, just see, are they the kind of person who picks a fight in an empty room? Are they the kind of people who just battles it out over anything? Because that could be exhausting to have on your team. Definitely. Um, the second thing is, um, look at the whole of their life. So, um, you know, I was always interested in this story that one of the reasons why Theresa May, our prime minister a while back, was unable to push the Brexit deal through was because she didn't have any experience in negotiating. And the reason she didn't, some people said, was because she was an only child yeah. and she had no children. Yeah. And if you're not used to negotiating with your siblings growing up yeah. or children later in life and you just have a partner who agrees with you, which was the case with Theresa May, then it can be really difficult to know how, how do you get consensus? How do you get mm. agreement? Similarly, if you're interviewing somebody in their 30s and they've never been in a long-term relationship, yeah, um, what makes you think that they're going to be able to foster the kind of connections and trust at work if they're not fostering those in their home life? Now, yeah. look, some people do that with close circle of friends and that can be valuable too to see if they have close friends. But if people don't have close friends or long-term relationships or siblings, you could be in for a bumpy ride at work. And um, I think that there are a couple of other things as well. When you're interviewing them, if they're telling you a story about their past, which points a blaming finger at a lot of other people, don't buy into that version. Yeah. Um, if they tell you about the boss who fired them for no reason or colleagues who turned against them don't be too quick to believe that there wasn't a reason because there really probably mm. was a reason and it could end up with them blaming you and your colleagues in the future if they've done it before they could well do it again um and the other thing has to do with timelines and you know you're too young in a way to appreciate this but <laughs> um at 20 if you haven't made it, if you haven't succeeded in a creative industry which involves other people, um, that's to be expected. How many people have made it at 20? Very few, right? Yeah. But at 45, if they're still waiting for their big break, if they're still waiting for their someone to recognize their talent, there yeah. could be a reason for it, and it could be themselves. They could be the reason. And I fell into the trap many times of thinking, this person just deserves a big break. Yeah. They just deserve some help and a chance and a helping hand. And I've been so fortunate. Let me give that to them. And sure enough, I was stung because what I quickly realized is there was a reason why they hadn't made it, these poor people. Um, and it wasn't that they weren't smart. They were. It wasn't that they didn't have good ideas. They did. It was they were so damaged and so flawed that they couldn't create success for themselves. Mm. And when when you're 20, you can change that, you know. 
when you're 30, a little bit less. And when you're 40, it's just too hard. Yeah. It's just too hard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I may seem ageist and I may seem like I'm favoring <laughs> people who are in relationship. I'm not. I'm just saying, look at the whole of people's lives. Look at their reputation. Look at what other people say about them because it's it's unlikely that your experience will be different. It's super, super interesting to look from that alternative perspective. And I don't think many people think about those things, especially, for example, what um, a few people would have said about the Prime Minister and Theresa May. Um, I never would have thought about that, ever. Thank you for listening to the Mirror Mental podcast. There we just learned that it's okay to be a jerk at times. Some of the greatest entrepreneurs um, to grace this earth could have been labelled as jerks. And we may feel that these qualities may actually prevent you from reaching success. But sometimes I do believe after this conversation with Remy that you do need to put your foot down at times. You do need to put yourself first and um, in order to you know move forward in terms of everything you're doing. So if anyone is a jerk to you, don't feel offended. If you have to be a jerk to someone else, don't think that you're in the wrong. Always protect yourself at all times and make sure that anything you do is beneficial towards the work that you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Mirror Mental podcast and I hope to meet some of you again shortly.